Well, my name is Judy, if I haven't met you, and I'm one of the leaders here at Riverside, and it is my absolute privilege to be interviewing uh, Jackie Nicholl today. Uh, so let's give Jackie a, a warm welcome. Come all the way from Mosley. <laughs> You're all right. Um, just by way of introduction, as Jackie settles into our very posh seats that we have here, they weren't as posh at Mosley, just telling you. Um, as um, Jackie sits down, just to say that Jackie is one of our life group leaders. Uh, she leads a group uh, started by Paula Douglas way back when, uh, a group of raucous women. I can testify to that because I've been to their group, uh, but women who really do love the Lord and are growing all the time. She's also part of the leadership team of a community group in Mosley where we're having a barbecue later on. And uh, also a really key part of our welcome team over at Mosley. Uh, she's often there. Uh, on the welcome desk with her lovely smiles. So serving in loads of ways. And Jackie is a very courageous person. And as you hear her story, I think you'll get an insight into why she seems quite so fearless. I know this is scary uh, for her um, to come up here. It's particularly hard for her today because um, very sadly, her dad passed away this week. And Jackie being Jackie, I immediately said, you don't have to go through with this. But she said, no, I want to. So the very fact that you're here, Jackie, to me is incredible and we're immensely proud of you um, and if you need to stop at any point or I need to stop at any point it's probably more more the case um, then we can do that um, Jackie I know that you've been at Riverside for quite a few years do you want to tell us how you came to Riverside what was the story behind that and how long you've been with us um, yeah about um 20 years ago, I actually moved to King's Heath. I had been going off and on to a church um, in Yardley Wood when my son was first born. Um, but the, the vicar there um, had Hodgkinson's disease and he had to retire. And um, I didn't find the same feeling as I got from this church family. Um, so I was looking for a church. But I also work at Matthew Bolton College in the city centre. And um, that's where I first met Paula Douglas. I'm sure some of you know Paula Douglas, incredible woman. Um, and when I used to speak to her, I used to look at her and she just has this inner glow. You can just see that she's a woman of faith. And every time I spoke to her and looked at her, I just thought, I would love people to look at me and see that faith. You know, it's quite incredible when you do meet it in somebody. It's just part of their being. Um, but I didn't really, I sort of didn't really come to Riverside. I was in and out, there's a few years apart. I would say I started coming properly about seven or eight years ago um, when I really made the full decision that, you know, I either need to do this correctly or go and do whatever with my life. So um, my faith, I think, truly took a hold, I would say, probably about seven years ago, to be honest, seven or eight years ago. And that's how I got to Riverside. Yeah. Now, um, I know your early life and childhood were tough, Jackie. Mm -hmm. um, are you able to share with us how tough it was, but also what impact that has had on you emotionally? Yeah. I've promised myself I'm not going to be tearful this week, but I'm not sure about that at the moment. <laughs> um, I'm one of four children. Well, actually, one of five, but one died very early in a year. So I'm the youngest technically of four. Um, my father's Scottish and my mum's Irish. Um, and they got 
married, very, very young. Mum was only 16 when she met my dad, sort of very green behind the ears. Um, and by the time she was 24, she'd actually had the five of us and a few miscarriages and different things that went on. So she had these children very, very young. Um, and she couldn't really cope, to be honest. Um, we, I was uh, the two oldest were born in Scotland. Oh, sorry, the three oldest were born in Scotland, and then myself and my sister above me, we were born in Birmingham. Um, and my dad was a lorry driver, so he used to disappear for weeks upon end. Um, and to be honest, he wasn't a very good husband to my mom. Um, I think as an adult now, I can see it's because he was never taught how to love. His mom was a very strong um, Scottish lady. Um, what's her face? Um, Church of Scotland, yeah, really, really strict. Um, so he had quite a hard upbringing from what I can gather myself. Um, and my, uh, my dad, as far as I'm aware, all my life has been an atheist. Mom has been a Catholic, so you can imagine, you know, dad marrying a little Catholic girl. My grandmother just did not like it and never really accepted my mom. Um, but anyway, when we were in Birmingham, mom um, was very much on her own. She had no friends, no family with her, and um, she just couldn't cope. So she kept running away, and dad would be on his lorries. So from one day to the next, we'd never know if mom was coming back or not. And at the time, my brother, I think, um, was about, between the ages of nine and 12, I'm not 100% sure how old he was actually at the point, but he had to look after us as best he could. Um, and there was many a time where there was no food, and no one around. Um, so Leslie, bless him, he passed away 10 years ago this weekend, by the way, as well, um, which is very weird. Dad going on the 9th and Dad and Leslie dying 10 years ago. Um, sorry, I'm going. So it was really um, a horrible situation. Um, and previous, uh, we'd moved to um, Hensford at this point. Um, which is in the Staffordshire area near Cannock Chase and that, what have you. But when we were in Birmingham, we had been put in children's homes. Uh, I don't remember my time because I was a baby, but the other do do remember their times. Um, and this was because Dad wasn't around and Mum wasn't well enough. I think she was having nervous breakdowns and whatever. Anyway, um, the end was that I think dad had come home and mom wasn't there and found that we were on our own. And I think the marriage obviously broke up. And I think from what I can gather, he had then found another four homes for us to go to. Um, he wasn't even going to allow us to stay together. He was going to split us all up. And his mother found out. Um, so granny came from Scotland and then she started to look after us. And that's when... We started going to, because we didn't go to school, couldn't read, we weren't very clean, um, you know. So Gran then um, made sure we were fed, clothed and um, going to school. And then she was the one who got um, 
Leslie uh, Belinda and Kathleen going to church which was St Peter's church and we went to um, St Peter's infant school um, well I was very young and I couldn't read and write but I was allowed to go and sit at the church on a Saturday there used to be all all weddings I remember years ago lots and lots of weddings I don't know if they happen today but I do remember lots of weddings so I was allowed to sit at the back of the church and watch all these weddings and I was so envious that my brothers and sister was um, in the choir. Um, and I knew they were talking about Jesus, but I didn't really know who he was or what he was. But it was just so nice being in the church. And it was away from people shouting at you and having a go at you. And um, so I used to do this all the time. And then one day, it was on a Sunday night, and um, we'd had a bath. We always had a bath Sunday night. And we had a coal fire, so we all used to sit in front of the coal fire, drying the air. And Dad walked in with this lady, and he said, um, this is your new stepmother, you call her Auntie Faye. And that was like a bit of a, bit of a, um, a shock, really. Um, so the next thing I remember, we were still allowed to go to church, but Gran left, I think she had a... Not a heart attack because Faye walked in, but she was very elderly when she came to look at us, uh, look after us. So she uh, ended up having a heart attack, moved back to Scotland. And then that's when it truly changed uh, for us. Um, we found out very quickly that Faye had an extremely bad temper, very quick temper. Uh, she had two children of her own who were younger than me. Um, and it was... It was a living hell. It really, she, we were beaten. I seem to remember it being definitely weekly, and I'm quite sure sometimes it was daily. Um, she would use whatever was there, which I know I've been beaten with broomsticks, canes. I know I've been beaten with a poker. We were, we would be swung by our hair if we weren't doing whatever she wanted us to do. Um, and I know that Dad knew this was going on, but he never stopped it. Um, I don't know if he spoke to Faye on her own at night time. I don't know. But visually, I never seen my father stop it, and I never heard him stop it. But our little relief would be Thursday night going to um, choir practice, and obviously being able to go to school. And one of the nice things oh, I forgot to say the other week was, if somebody got married during the week, they used to ask for the choir, so we would get out of school to be at the wedding. So that was nice, you got a little treat. But um, So this went on for quite a few years. Um, in the end, um, Dad sold up everything, he got his own lorries, and we moved to a little place called Bridgetown, which is near Cannock. It's all the same sort of area. That's where I met my very beautiful friend, Caroline. Uh, and I met her, actually, at Sunday school, um, believe it or not. <laughs> um, yeah. we, can I just ask about the choir? Because I think you got in under false pretenses, I didn't did. you? Did. Which is an encouragement to those of us still trying to get into the Christmas choir. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you managed to talk your way in, didn't you? Yeah, well... Because I used to sit at the back of the church every Saturday. Obviously, I used to go to church on Sunday. I mean, our family was very funny. They'd make sure we go to church, but they never stepped through a church door, you know. Um, 
So every Saturday I'd go to church and watch the weddings. And then uh, Mr. Davis came over to me one day and he said, Jackie, can you read? I go, yeah, 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 I can read. And he goes, great, you can join the choir. I could not read a word. <laughs> uh, literally, I could not read. Um, but I had a good memory then and I could um, remember the prayers and I just listened to this. I was just so chuffed that I was in the choir and I could wear my purple and white robe. I was just, I felt like a little angel. Not that I was an angel, no. but, you know. And, and is there a little story about her? Choir practice, sweets, yeah. yeah. Uh, my life into crime started quite <laughs> early. Um, we used to meet on Thursday night for choir practice. And um, a lot of the time, especially in the winter, there's a graveyard right behind St. Peter's. So we used to run and meet the kids. And the lads used to run ahead of us and jump out of graves and frighten us. Um, but this, and all sorts of things like that, but we used to love it. And this one day, I don't know if it was my sister who dared us or whether it was them who dared, but we dared to go and steal some sweets from the shop and a little corner shop on, by the church. So I went in and it was these little tiny red cherry lips. And um, so I grabbed a bag and I'm not even, I can't even remember how I got away with it. I, I, don't, I can't remember if she, I'm sure the lady was there, but I don't know. Anyway ran and got these sweets and we shared these sweets um, while choir practice was on. But later on, as the evening was wearing on, both me and Kathleen were starting to feel a bit sick and uh, we couldn't work out what it was. Anyway, we went home and we didn't want to tell Dad and Faye that we were sick because we'd have to admit that we'd stolen these sweets. Um, so we were quite relieved when we were sent to bed and we really, really did, was really feeling very sick. And we were saying, we used to share a bed and we were saying, you know, God, we're really, really sorry. You know, please don't kill us. We'll never steal again. Um, and we, you know, were quite tears in our eyes and we really thought, you know, God's going to punish us. What we didn't know, and I think I found out a few days later, um, Faye had cooked a sausage casserole that night and hadn't cooked it properly. So everybody had food poisoning, but we didn't know that. So, but we wouldn't go and say anything because we'd stolen these sweets. So they were all sick. So that's dependence on them as well, actually. But, <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah so. I love that story because I think although it's, it's funny, it also kind of shows how you viewed God. Um, because of all you'd been through, God was someone very punishing and austere and severe. Um, and I know that's not how you see him today. Um, and you've chosen a verse all about love. Um, I know you've pursued love, uh, as many of us have in your life. You then moved down to London and Liverpool, didn't you sort of searching in your 20s and 30s for yeah. love and meaning I, I moved around quite a lot once I left school um I have to be honest I, I just didn't know where I belonged and we'd never been told growing up that we were wanted that we were loved that we were cared for I, I I've been thinking about this and I genuinely hand on heart cannot remember anyone ever telling me that they loved me as a child or my brothers and sisters um they'd all left individually as we were growing up running away from dad and Faye. um i had as well with my sister we moved to birmingham that didn't really work out ended up back in cannock until i left school um yeah and i just ended up i had a job there but it, it got uh, it finished really quick and i ended up being going everywhere um, so not that I was a horrible person, but I was looking for love in the wrong places. I was drinking, I was going out with the wrong people. 
I did get myself in some very sticky situations, which, you know, for the grace of God, I'm still here to tell the tale. Um, and I couldn't pick a good man if he fell on top of me. I swear, I just, my picker is so off. Um, I would just always end up with a guy who drank a lot or who was verbally abusive um, or just didn't treat me right. Um, and to be honest, I couldn't cope with, I was on about this this morning, I don't think I could cope with anyone being nice to me because I didn't know how to deal with it, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I made a lot of bad decisions in my early 20s mm. and what have you. But out of that time, or a little bit later in your 30s, uh, there was a, a lovely addition to your life, which is your lovely son, Jay, who I know many of us here have, have prayed for and you love very much. I think you tell each other you love each other every day, every which day. is very redemptive. Yeah. Um, I know things in the relationship that you were in when you when you were with Jay were, again, quite tough for you, weren't they? Yeah, um, about me picker being off, it was well and truly off on this one. Um, I knew the guy, I'd known him for a couple of years and I used to work in restaurant trades and, and bar and hotels and I'd met this person, he was a regular to the bar and he was a lovely person, you know, buy everybody a drink, great comedian, whatever. Um, and after about two years I actually went out with him and very silly and very quickly, I had been, because I'd been ill previously, I'd been told I more than likely wouldn't be able to have any children. So this never entered my head. I just thought this is never going to happen. Um, so I had no sort of goal for my future, you know, about having a family because I just didn't think that was going to be for me. But anyway, in this relationship, I ended up getting pregnant. And I knew the minute that I was pregnant that this man was not the right man for my son. He was not going to be a good father, and he definitely um, got that. I um, got that one right. Um, but um, by this point, I was living in Yardley Wood, and I, I found um, a church called Holy Cross. Well, I knew it was there. I don't think I'd actually gone to it at that point. Um, but when I gave birth to Jay, to me, it was the biggest miracle in my whole life. It was the most wondrous thing I'd, I'd ever done. When I looked at Jay, um, I, I can't even tell you, my heart just burst and I just knew I had to say thank you to God because in my case, he was really a miracle child. And I found Holy Cross uh, Church so I could get him christened and what have you. And I have to say the vicar there was an incredible, him and his family were incredible people. And meanwhile, my relationship was going down and down and down. Um, he wasn't physically um, aggressive, but very verbally. Uh, played a lot of mental games with my head and what have you. And it was actually the vicar who helped me to leave. Um, we ended up being in a hostel for six months uh, in Norfield. Um, but it was still the vicar who ended up helping us get where I live today on Poplar Road, Kings Heath. It's the longest place I've ever lived in my life. Um, but I, when Jay was born, I made a silent prayer to, to God that my son would never live a day of my life. He would never go hungry and he would never not know that he's loved and wanted. Um, 
I've never had a lot of money, so he doesn't have everything, but he, he has me and, you know, what have you. Um, I think he's very yeah. blessed to be actually. I think we're all thinking, yeah. Um, so you, you left, I know you left the relationship. You left, I think, with just two bags of stuff and two Joe. Two bags and Joe. Um, and went to the hostel. And I suppose all of us look at you today, this incredibly brave and serene woman who clearly loves God and is loved by God. How did you really find this deep faith that you saw in Paula that you wanted for yourself? Has that been a gradual journey? Or how did you find this living faith that I know you, you pray nearly every day and read your Bible? I think it has been a bit of a... I mean, it's always been in the background because I went... Back in the day when I went to infant school, we used to say prayers and do morning assembly and, and that. So I, I sort of known God was there. I, I really disliked him for a long time because I thought, you know, how can you be a God and you let not just me but children suffer? You know, people go through such horrible lives. You know, why aren't you stopping this? Um, so I was very anti-God for a long time. Um, then, I've, then I think really the real true birth of it was when I had Jay. I've got to be honest. I think I was just so overwhelmed and really wanted to say thank you. I think in my head that was him acknowledging me, you know, look, this this is for you. This is me showing my love for you. Um, but then at work with Paula, mm. she told me about Riverside. I uh, came to visit a couple of times. I was looking for a church to go to. And I just felt um, that Riverside was... was um, was a bit like home. I can't sort of think of another word at the moment. Although I didn't come all the time initially, again, mainly because I put my foot in it again with a, another relationship. But um, I just felt that I was allowed to be me and, and I felt very unjudged, which is a big thing in my life. I, you know, I've always felt that I've always been judged. And um, I found Paula to be a, a very beautiful woman, a very um, caring woman. When I did decide to actually stay with Riverside, um, she invited me into her little community group and I met some other really beautiful women, um, Deborah Mosley and Pierre and a few others um, who were not, they've moved, but um, that's the basic three of us. And they have taught me an awful lot. They've taught me how to pray and they've taught me how to read the Bible. I do have dyslexia uh, um, with numbers and words. So I do find reading can be um, quite stressful. And I find reading the Bible quite difficult because the words, I just don't even know how to pronounce half of them. I don't know where to begin, <laughs> to be honest. So I do mm -hmm. find uh, reading the Bible quite difficult. But I like it being read and I like listening to it. Um, but... Uh, um, a few years ago, I, I sort of had a relationship. Once Jay was born, I have to say, my mum stepped up to the mark. She was never really there for us, and she always done her own thing. When we were living with her at school, things like we'd come home from school, uh, this is when we were in Birmingham, and um, my stepdad would be there, and I said, oh, where's mum? And, oh, she's gone to Spain, she's gone on holiday. So mum would just go on holiday and, and and you'd be like, oh, right, okay, what we're we doing for the next two weeks. So mum was 
very much about she was she was a good she wasn't a nasty woman, but she was she was mm. selfish. I don't, I don't know mm. to put it, but um, and we so didn't you, have the best relationship. Sorry, and I was just going to say you spoke at her funeral because I yeah. was there, and I was just in awe of you being able to speak and say what you did at her funeral just a few years ago. Um, how have you managed? Um, to find that level of freedom because we we see you today and you are clearly a loving and free woman so how have you managed to receive that and, and share that forgiveness with your mum um well like i said she did step up for me and joe um, um well, initially when i was with joe's dad we had no money because he, he wouldn't give me any so i used to walk from um, Yardleywood to Acox Green every day, so mum would feed us and what have you. She still used to drive me mad, don't get me wrong, but she did stop us from, you know, being on the streets. And through the years, we've had like an off and on relationship, and it's just mum. So in the end, it was like, well, it's just mum. You have to forget about the end and just deal with what's going on. And I think it's about, is it about three years? Yeah, about three years ago. Um, Mum started to um, act a bit weird, and we just put it down to mum being a bit dippy, you know, God bless her. Um, but what was happening, she started, she was um, got dementia, and um, what would happen, I'd be at work, I'd get phone calls from the police, um, on about my mum on about somebody's broke in the house, or I'd get phone calls from the ambulances, because she called them, and it started happening on a regular basis. Um, and in the end, I took, four months off work and then realized during that four months how um, fragile mom was and how bad she was with the dementia um, but again in my mind I was having this problem well why should I be there for her when she was never there for me and it was really a massive battle was going on in my head but I have to thank my community group because I was honest with him and I said, I don't think I love mom enough to care for her. And she really does need care. And they prayed for me so much um, every week when I was going to see them and I got people to pray on Sunday um, that in the end, I actually started to love mom again as a daughter should love a mom. Um, and I seen her through to the very end. I mean, we did. I did have to find her a home because I could. We couldn't find somewhere where we could live together. And I'd been informed that financially I wouldn't get any help looking after her. So I'm like, well, I can't. I have to still work to pay the bills. But I do remember, you know, actually loving her properly, truly loving her in the end. And um, and I think that is the power of God and healing, not you know, healing in me to be able to not mm. deal with the past, but just deal with a woman who mm. has lost herself for quite some time as well. Well, I think I, I'm sure everyone here um, 
can see how much God has done in you. It, it just shines out of you. And I would say, as a pastor, seeing you over these years transformed by this love has been incredible. Jackie is the one when we're out, uh, try praying, and we're all a bit nervous of giving out leaflets. Jackie's the first out there. She'll talk to anyone. And I think when you face what Jackie has, um, it's almost like the world hasn't got a lot to fear, and God is is so much in you. Um, you've chosen a verse um, which we can have up on the screen, which is from 1 Corinthians 13, uh, which um, is basically saying um, if you talk in the language of uh, prophecy uh, and of men, but you have not love, you're like a clanging cymbal uh, or a, a noisy gong. I don't know if that, uh, that verse could come up, but that's the verse that Jackie's chosen. You've chosen a verse about love. You didn't ever feel loved growing up or hear that. And yet now you found the love that Jesus has for you. Um, is there anything you want to just share with anyone perhaps here finally who still struggles to accept that love for themselves? I know I'm a changed person. I know I'm, I'm so totally different. Um, and I've, um, you know, I've still landed myself in trouble as an adult at different times, which has affected my son and our relationship, which we thankfully we have built up again. Um, but I know I couldn't have gone through um, everything that I went through with my son as a teenager um, because he was having such a dark time. He was ready to commit suicide. And then I was dealing with mom at the same time. And I felt, you know, if I hadn't had God and I, I would literally be on my knees at the end of the night crying because I just didn't know what to do with Jay and mum was with dementia, but I know he gave me strength to get through every day to be here today. And what I would say, um, my brother was very wise. He said to me, you know, if you hold on to the pain that other people have given you, it only destroys you. It doesn't destroy them because they don't know. They don't care. They're getting on with their lives. They have no idea what a horrible word they said to you or how bad they made you feel. They've said it. They've gone. They don't care. Um, but it destroys you inside if you allow it. Um, and you have to forgive them. Not before them. You have to forgive them for you because you want... You want to be able to live a, a proper life without all that hate and that pain. I'm not saying it's all gone forever, but it, it is so much easier to deal with life today um, than it ever has been in my life. And it's forgiveness and love that allows that to happen, most definitely. Um, there's a, a brilliant quote uh, from Tim Keller that says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. But to be known and not loved is all of our greatest fear. To be fully known and to be truly loved is a lot like being loved by God. It's what we all need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us out of self-righteousness. And it fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. And I think you are a, a walking miracle. Can we thank Jackie so much? Um, a great, great part of you.